I'm in Second Peter. I may have said chapter three, but I'm in chapter two, and I'm, we're going to start reading at the end of that chapter, uh, verse number 20 here in just a moment. Let me do this. I'm going to tell you what I think we're about to read in these next three verses, and then see if this is what you see in this passage of Scripture, okay? This, these three verses are describing Christians, people that are saved, that have been taught the Word of God, that know the path to an abundant life, and have probably even tasted that the Lord is good. And yet, for whatever reason, the lure of the world or their sin nature or lack of character or laziness, whatever, they decide to do about face and to live after the world. And then that, that final verse, I won't describe to you what God says. I'll let, we'll read it together. But God gives a very clear description of what he thinks that is like. Okay, so let's start in verse number 20. The Bible says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Would you agree with what I described earlier? Does that passage not say that there are people who know of God, know of the things of God, know what the word of God says, understand the instructions of God to live the Christian life, the abundant life, the fruitful life, a life that they'll be happy that they have lived in eternity, but also a life of contentment and joy today. And yet they're allured by the things of the world. And the Bible says they're like a dog returning to his vomit or like a pig that is washed and cleaned and then as quick as it can gets back into that pig pen. Shortly after uh, my wife and I were married, we, we had a plan of, you know, waiting a couple years and then, you know, trying to schedule children after a couple years. And uh, 13 months later, we, you know, my wife gave birth to our, new, our first son, you know, that God had different plans. And uh, after uh, John was born, uh, like, like is customary, somebody brought us a meal to our house. And... Um, Part of that meal, I don't remember what the whole meal was. I remember one part of it. It was this green bean casserole that was probably excellent when it was fresh, you know. But warming it up again, not, not so excellent, okay. And I remember coming home from work probably the initial day after I had gone back to work, after my wife's home from the hospital, and John is in the crib in a little bassinet in our bedroom. And, and I got home from work. And as I walked in the front door into the living room and heading to the bedroom where my wife was, I noticed that green bean casserole was in the middle of the living room floor, on the wood floor, just sitting there right near the kitchen. And so I noticed that, but I walked into the bedroom to check to see how my wife was, how her day was, that first day home. This is our new baby. <laughs> I remember uh, we were just getting ready to leave the hospital with our new son, John, and he started crying. 
And I think we had him in the car seat, if I remember right, Leo. We put him in the car seat, and, you know, we're about to walk out of the hospital, brand new parents, and he starts crying. And we actually had this conversation about, do I push the button for the nurse, or what do we do, you know? And we decided, no, we're taking him home. We better figure it out. He's crying, okay? Well, this was like a, a day later, okay? And so I walked into the living room, noticed the green bean casserole, walked into our bedroom and asked Leah how the day was and how John was doing and, and you know, talked about 30 seconds about her day and then I got around to the green bean casserole. <laughs> like, what happened? Why is the green bean casserole on the floor in the living room? She's like, what? I said, the green bean casserole is on the floor in the living room. She goes, no, I, I put that in the garbage. Okay. And then it took me a couple seconds, but the light bulb came on and I thought of Isabel, okay? Isabel is our dog. And so I thought, it took me a little while, okay? But Isabel, I could picture her getting in that garbage and that green bean casserole that we didn't think very much of. Isabel really enjoyed. And then she threw it up on the, on the floor in the living room. So about the time the light bulb comes on and I have this 30 second conversation with my wife, I figured out it was my dog, Isabel. I walked back out in the living room, just walked out of the door and looked over where that green bean casserole was. And now there's just like a wet spot on the floor, okay? Because <laughs> you know what happened, right? In that brief amount of time that I found out how my wife's day went and the light bulb come on, came on, Isabel had come back, okay? That's nasty, isn't it? That is gross. Now, I would not even use that illustration to describe a Christian who knows better and yet pulls the things of this world into the Christian life and somehow tries to blend the Christian life with the thing of the things of the world. But God does. That's what God says. Okay? What we're going to look at this evening, if you have your Bible open, if you could leave it open there, because we're going to look at uh, just a brief Bible study and then even, an even more brief sermon as we look, those three verses we just looked at, and then we're going to get into chapter, chapter 3 all the way to verse number 11. If you notice verse number 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3, do you see where it says, knowing this first? You see that? Okay, well, that's something that we probably ought to know first, right? Because the Bible tells us that. And then look across that, uh, look at verse number 8. The Bible says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, right? So whatever that one thing is, we don't want to be ignorant of that, right? So we need to figure out what that is. And then we're going to finish on verse number 11 is where we'll finish and we'll tie it all back together again with those three verses where we already began. But let's start with 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's continue with verse number 3 where it says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which now are, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, what do we need to know first? Right? Verse 3 starts with knowing this first. 
three things that we need to know first. Before we get to that one thing that we better not be ignorant of, there's three things that we need to know first. Notice verse number five. For this they are willingly ignorant of. Three things that we need to know. Three things that we should not, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're not willingly ignorant of. Before we get there, is there something that you're willingly ignorant of? Now, I'm not talking something serious. We'll get to the Word of God and something that really matters in just a moment, okay? But maybe something like, I need to pay taxes on that? I didn't know I had to pay taxes on that income. Maybe something that you, on purpose, you don't want to know too much about because that might cost you some money. Or maybe you don't want to know that the speed limit is 25 miles an hour on Calumet Avenue right out in front of Hammond High School. Can you believe that? 25 miles an hour. I can go faster in reverse than 25 miles an hour. Okay, now maybe you don't recognize that. There's things like that in life that we are willingly ignorant of. How many of you like hot dogs? I like hot dogs. Come on, Brother Vogel. Brother Vogel, you love hot dogs, right? That's right. Okay, you like hot dogs? I love hot dogs. And I got that. I know Brother Vogel loves a good hot dog. How many of you are willingly ignorant of what's in hot dogs? On purpose, right? I am. And I know I have tried to educate my wife on what's in a hot dog. And she has told me, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Why? Because we enjoy hot dogs, right? And some of us are consciously, willingly ignorant of what's in a hot dog because we enjoy hot dogs, right? Do you understand what the Bible is saying when it says willingly ignorant now? There's some things that we don't want to know about because we don't want it to affect our behavior. We'd rather enjoy what we're doing now and we don't want to know about that. You understand? Willingly ignorant. Okay, so this is what we need to know first. There's some things that people are willingly ignorant of. You know what the first one is? God created everything. God created everything. Now, I tell you that because that's not my opinion. If you notice there, when I say my opinion, it is my opinion that God created everything. But I'm not saying it's, it's my opinion that this is something men are willingly ignorant of. It says there in verse 5, For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, that great chapter on faith, right? Explains what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It tells us a little later on in verse 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please him. And then it talks about what Noah did through faith, what Abraham did through faith, and all these great events that happened through faith, right? Before it ever gets into those other events, it says in verse number 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That the things which are seen, they, they don't come, the things which do appear are not made of things which are seen. Kind of takes evolution and sets it on its head there, right? God created everything. There are people that are willingly ignorant of that. Hey, hold on a second. Before we point at an agnostic or an atheist or an evolutionist, now look, I wouldn't insult you for the, for the world. You are, you are where you're supposed to be on a Wednesday night. But let's be challenged by the word of God here. Because sometimes creation, and the other th two things we're going to mention here, we're going to look at, sometimes it's sort of like 
that hot dog. Where we know that there's bad things in hot dogs, right? But we just don't want to consider it. We know that there's stuff in there that I probably don't want to know is in there because we want to enjoy a hot dog. Sometimes even good Christians that come to church on a Wednesday night, sometimes we don't want to consider things like God created me, God redeemed me. I owe everything, every breath I take, every, any influence I have, any number of brain cells that I enjoy, everything that I have came from God. I owe him something because of that. And sometimes those of us that know the word of God and come to church on a Wednesday night, we don't want to consider that. Just like I'd rather enjoy a hot dog, we don't want to recognize that, you know what? Maybe I'm not doing everything that I should be doing with the fact in mind that God created everything. But he did. God created everything. Sometimes as Christians, if you're not careful, you might even feel like you're not educated to believe creation. You know, that verse doesn't say, through faith we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's not what it says. It says, true faith we understand. Okay? And you start with creation. You know, in, in science class, advanced biology in the high school, we dissect sheep eyes every year. And... One of the most interesting dissections, I like all of our dissections, but when you open up an eye, first you, you dump out this gel that's on the inside that makes your eye round, okay? And then on the very back of the eye, there's this thin tissue paper piece of skin that really, it's, it's one cell thick. It's about the same color as your skin. And normally after you dump out that gel, it just kind of shrivels up there in the middle of that cup that eyeball, half of the eyeball that's sitting there. You know what that is? That is your retina. Your retina is only attached in one place. It's attached at the optic nerve. And everything that we see, all that light comes in through the lens and it hits that retina and your retina ca captures that light and sends it to the optic nerve all the way to the back of your brain, the occipital lobe where it interprets what you see. But that retina, one cell thick, which controls everything that you see. I saw Mrs. Allen over here. And Mrs. Allen and I, when I see Mrs. Allen, I talk to her about her retina, right, Mrs. Allen? Because that's interesting, because she's a teacher, taught at junior high for years, and, and she had a detached retina, right, and problems, and, and talks through the procedures of how they tried to fix that. It's when the retina actually folds over in that gel. And so now they can unfold it, just like you would unfold a piece of paper, right? But if you unfold a piece of paper, doesn't it want to flop right back where it came from, right? And that's the same problem Mrs. Allen had and, and the way that they go in and try to fix that, the retina, it's an amazing thing in your eye. Now, when you came in, did you get one of these? Did you get, who doesn't have one of these pieces of paper? If you don't, if you raise your hand, ushers, if you can come and we're gonna do a, a visual aid, we'll pretend this is biology class, okay? And we're talking about your retina, just keep your hand up and you'll need, you can grab one of these as they get there. Go ahead, Brother Moffat. Brother Moffat's having this conversation as to whether he's trying to get one of these younger guys to go down and get one, but. Okay, this piece of paper has on it what looks like a sun, 
and then a little plus. You see that? Okay. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. When you get it, we're going to put it, let's put it in your right hand, and we're going to put the plus to the right. Got it? So it's in your right hand, the plus is to the right. Now, I told you that the retina is only attached at that one spot, right? It's attached at your optic nerve. Where it's attached at your optic nerve, there's a blind spot in your eye at the optic nerve, okay? And what we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to make this plus sign disappear because we're going to move it into your blind spot. Does that make sense? Okay, here's how we're going to do that. So you have it in your right hand with the plus on the right side, right? And now you've got to cover your left eye. And then you're going to stand on one foot, rub your stomach, and okay. Now, right hand, got it? Plus on the right side, cover your left eye, and you're going to focus with your right eye on the center of that sun, right? Follow me? The center, that blank spot in the middle of the sun. And then you're going to move this paper closer to your eye, slowly move it closer to your eye until the plus sign disappears. So stare at the center of the sun, move it until that plus sign in your peripheral is gone and then hold it there. Got it? Did the plus sign disappear? Okay, how many of you, the plus sign disappeared? Raise your hand. Okay, all of you, if your hand isn't away, look around, there's people that are not as smart as you with their hand up. Okay, so let's try it one more time, you ready? Right hand over your eye, focus on the center of the sun, and move that plus sign towards your eye until it's gone. Then move it a little closer and it'll reappear. You see it? And then you can back it up, and it'll reappear again, okay? How many of you made that plus sign appear and reappear? Okay, so we've established that your eye has a blind spot. At least your right eye does. Can you just trust me? Your left eye has the same blind spot. We won't have to do that again, okay? Now, here's a question for you. Then how come we don't have two black spots, okay? If we have a blind spot in both of our eyes, why don't we see it? Why do I, why do I see everything just perfectly out of my peripheral vision? Do you know that your brain constantly fills in that blind spot. You know that. That's why you don't see the blind spot. Your brain is filling it in. Now, if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you how your brain fills it in. In just a moment, we're going to turn this around, and we're going to put the sun on the right, okay? And we're going to try to put this little circle in the middle of the sun. We're going to move that into your blind spot. When you do, you know what your brain is going to do with the help of your retina, with your eye? your brain is going to connect those spokes. You're going to see, because your brain thinks there shouldn't be a blank spot there. Your brain thinks they should all be connected. You understand? Because your brain is constantly filling in those two blind spots. In real time, immediately it happens. You don't even think about it. So now, it's in your right hand again. We're going to cover your left eye. The sun is to the right, right? And the plus is on the left side. Focus on the plus. With your right eye, look at the plus and move the sun closer until all the spokes fill in. Did it fill in? Okay, and then you can move it back out again or move it closer. If you're watching at home, you should have been in church tonight, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, how many of you, it filled in the spokes for you? Your brain filled in the spokes. Did it do that? Okay. That happens 24-7. Well, everyone, as long as your, I guess your eyes aren't open 24-7. But when your eyes are open and you're moving around, that happens in real time. Do you know, do you know that Charles Darwin wrote in his book on evolution called The Origin of the Species in the 1850s, he wrote that the idea that the human eye evolved through natural selection is ridiculous. I'm going to read you his quote. You ready for this? It's a little bit wordy, but stay with me. You just saw what the eye can do. And the idea that this just happened, okay, is ridiculous. Actually, it is absurd in the highest degree. You know why I use that phrase? Because that's what Charles Darwin says. Listen to what he said. To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances, for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. That is in his book on the origin of the species. Now, just so you understand full disclosure on what I just read, he then goes on to explain his belief on how the eye evolved through natural selection. Do you understand? It's not like he just had a come to Jesus moment there. No, he explains in his book how he thinks it happened. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It is basic to our faith to number one, believe that God created everything, but right along, right up on its heels, hey, Consider that. Don't be willingly ignorant of it. Don't forget about that. Number two, the second thing that we should know. Remember verse three says, knowing this first, number one, God created everything. Number two, God will destroy everything. Look at verse number seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Three things that we should know. Three things that we should not be willingly ignorant of. Number one, God created everything. Number two, God's going to destroy everything. Okay, now we're not going to be in that. We're saved. We'll be in heaven. We'll be in a different place. But understand all these things today that are important to us here on earth, they're not going to be around forever. You know what it is? That book you're holding, it's eternal. That'll be in heaven. Your soul, the soul of your neighbors, your friends, people, their, their never dying soul, they'll be around forever. Those are things that we need to consider. You know, all of a sudden, spending your time working with people in the park and little children, uh, that seems like a pretty good use of our time. All of a sudden, June 26th and Friend Day, maybe we should get a little more motivated to affect a never-dying, eternal soul. If we won't neglect that like we neglect what hot dogs are made of. If we don't want to be willingly ignorant that, you know what? Everything is going to be destroyed. Brother Hiles used to say, whenever he was trying to state a constant, Brother Pins, you remember what he used to say? Sun rises in the east, 
Sets in the West. Pope's a Catholic. And the Cubs are going to come in last place this season. Okay? That's who's always said. Sun rises in the East, sets in the West. Pope's a Catholic. And the Cubs are going to come in last this season. Well, you know what? In 2016, the Cubs didn't come in last, did they? Right? They won the World Series. That's right. Secondly, the Pope he was talking about back then, I bet you he's not a Catholic anymore. Okay? And thirdly, the sun rising in the East and setting in the West, that's not always going to happen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that our universe, the solar system as we know it, it's going to wax old as doth a garment. And God is going to simply fold it up like you would a vesture, and he's going to put it away. And it kind of puts in perspective the things that you and I thought about all day today, right? The things that come to mind when you first wake up, our problems. Man, when you remember that, you know what, God created everything and God's going to destroy everything, that might be something that good Christians that even attend church, midweek service when their pastor is out of town, that we need to remember, right? We wouldn't want to be ignorant of these three things. God created everything. God's going to destroy everything. And thirdly, God will judge all men, right? Now, hey, you might hear that and think, oh, man, yeah, that's a problem. But it doesn't need to be a problem, right? I mean, if we're working hard trying to affect eternity, and like those girls saying a little while ago, if, if we really are seeking first the kingdom of God, hey, you don't need to be worried about that judgment day. Hey, that judgment seat of Christ, that, that doesn't need to be something that you dread. You know, when I was, uh, my, my office used to be over on the junior high side, and, and on Fridays when I would go in in the morning, I would crack my window open, uh, Brother Vogel there in the corner of the junior high, because I would want to hear my kids, when they were little, walk over to grade school chapel. And especially when it's nice outside, there's always a little bit of noise and you couldn't miss the grade schoolers walking over for grade school chapel. And I, I didn't want to forget. And so I would hear them walking over and I'd stand in my window and I'd look out there and I'm looking for John, Ruby, Gwen, Joe, you know, waiting for them. And Ruby was always so tall. She's about as tall as she is now in kindergarten, you know. So she, she would always stand out, but I'd, I'd watch over there and wait for them to wa walk by. You know why I was watching them? Do you think I was waiting for them to push the kid in front of them and man, they were gonna get it when they got home? No, it didn't even cross my mind. I was watching them because I love them, right? I care about them. Does God see everything that I do? Does God see everything that you do? Does God know all of our thoughts and the intent of our hearts? Yeah, he does. That doesn't need to be a bad thing. The fact that you're going to be judged by God, I think Peter writes this to us through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, so that day is not a horrible day. So that's a good day, right? If we spend our lives considering the fact and not being willingly ignorant that God created everything, God's going to destroy everything. And you know what? God's going to judge all men. Let's move on. Look at verse number 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Okay, now let me pause for just a moment. Okay, we're going to move right along quickly here. And we're getting to the sermon. The sermon's going to be just like three or four minutes, okay? But as we move right along quickly here, it's funny. It's like the Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do. You know that passage of scripture, you know? 
forgetting those things which are behind, pressing for Then he lists like five things, you know, like just like a, a preacher, you know. And it seems like, but by the way, Paul just says one thing, you know, if, if you notice in that scripture. And right here, it kind of seems like God does the same thing. He says, there's one thing I don't want you to be ignorant of. And then it looks like he lists three things, okay. But let's look at it together. Again, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. We'll get to verse 11 in just a moment. So what is that one thing that we should know? Hey, if the Lord said it, it's going to happen. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise. If the Lord said it, it's going to happen. Okay, we shouldn't be ignorant of this one thing. Have you ever not known something that you really should have known? Or that you really needed to know? You ever been in that spot? I have. I think of a time that, Pastor, I was over in Building P, and Pastor Wilkerson, I don't know if it was an in-service, but there was, there was quite a few people in over there in the youth center, and Pastor was speaking, and my mind had wandered. And then he said, you know, just like uh, Coach Woosley, you always say. And he looked at me, because Pastor will come and sit on the bench and sometimes come in the locker room with the varsity basketball team, and, and he wanted me to tell him that thing that I always say. And I, I, had, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know what context we were talking about because, you know what, I was ignorant, okay? My brain had wandered. And you know what I said? I said, and he just went on, you know, because I didn't say anything. He goes, you know, brother, was it that thing that you always tell your players? Anyways, and then he just went on, you know what? I felt ignorant, okay? And that's not a good feeling to feel ignorant, okay? Well, there's one thing that you don't want to be ignorant of. If God says it, it's going to happen. And don't get the idea that just because God said a long time ago that he's coming again, that somehow he's forgotten or he's slack concerning his promise. You know what? He's not come. He hasn't come yet because he's not willing that any should perish, that verse says. But the day of the Lord... It's coming like a thief in the night. And that is one thing that you do not want to be ignorant of. Hey, almost to the brief sermon. You ready for this? Look at verse number 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Hey, that's just like the Lord through Peter to talk about things that we all agree with, right? God created everything, and you know, God's gonna destroy everything, and God's gonna judge the world, right? We all believe that. And oh yeah, one more thing. If God says it, it's gonna happen, right? Right, right? We all believe that, amen. Okay. Seeing that, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Let's consider that for just a moment, right? With all that in context, 
What kind of man should I be? What kind of dad should you be? What kind of a mom should you be? What kind of a husband, wife? What kind of a Christian should I be? Okay? If I don't want to be willingly ignorant about these things, if I, if I will honestly consider these things like we had the last few minutes, what manner of persons ought we to be? An all-holy conversation, and that, you know, that is lifestyle and godliness. You see how Peter brings us right back to where we started this evening. Those of us that know better, right? Those of us that already know these things, those of us that are in a church service on a Wednesday night in the summer when the pastor's out of town, are we allowing any kind of worldliness into our lives? Is there something we consider the word of God that we own and the fact that we've been shown a path to the abundant life? Are there things, is there something today, this afternoon, that I allowed into my life that should not have been there? Or is there something that I might have allowed this weekend or next weekend? What needs to go in my life with these things in perspective? How should I be a different man? How should you be a different woman? Congratulations, you had a midweek service. Do you understand the rest of the world thinks this is crazy that we would be here on a Wednesday night? Open up the eternal riches of the word of God. Okay, now that we've done it, and now that we've seen what it says, what manner of man should I be? You think I should be like Isabel? You remember Isabel, right? And the green bean casserole? Hey, am I going to allow that junk back into my life. I look back there at my mom and dad. My dad would tell you that the greatest decision he ever made as a father was putting his five kids in Hammond Baptist. I wonder how much money he spent and my mom spent through the years in Christian education. I wonder how many times we drove from Cedar Lake to Hammond, Indiana, three times a week, every week, and the sacrifice that they made to get their kids here in this church, in this ministry, and now I'm going to drag the things of this world into my life after seeing the abundant life that my parents have shown me that is as dumb as a dog returning to that filth. It's as foolish as a pig escaping from the pig pen and then oinking and snorting all the way back to the pig pen. What a joke. How foolish would that be? That being said, number one, I should be clean. You should be clean. As a Christian, with that being said, I should be clean. As pastor says, there's a few things that only you can do with you. There's a few of them. One is your family role. Remember that? No one else can be a a wife to me but my wife. No one else can be a husband to her but me. No one else is going to be dad to my kids but me. I must play my family role. But the one that is in this context is nobody can be clean for me. Nobody can be pure for me. I must be clean for myself, right? If I don't want to be that wallowing pig in the mud, if I want to be washed and not wallowing, number one, I need to be clean. Let me ask you, how should that affect you this evening? How should that affect your life? Just saying that in just a very general term, I should be clean, what does the Holy Spirit do with that to you in your life? Number two, I should wash daily. Wash daily. Would you agree? I can't take 10 showers today 
and be clean for the next 10 days? I can take 10 showers today, but I'm not going to be clean for the next 10 days. It doesn't work that way, right? You have to be clean every day. And every day we pick up filth by just living in this world. And every day I need to spend time in the Word of God. Every day I need to work to push out the worldliness and work to be clean. I need to take a bath and be spiritually clean every day. I remember an illustration I've used before. I took my son, Jeff, camping with my two older sons, John and Joe. And Jeff was probably about five. And I'll cut right to the end of the story. We got home from that camping trip. And I could hear my wife out in the living room. I'm in my bedroom. And I could hear her unpacking Jeff's clothes. I can't hear her unpacking, but I heard the question. Jeff, did you fold all these clothes? Because his clothes were folded in his duffel bag. And so I thought, hmm. Did Jeff fold all his clothes? You gotta understand, Jeff's like five, okay? We went camping, he's with his two older two brothers and me. And I thought, hmm. And apparently he didn't fold his own clothes because he must have shaken his head no. And then the next question was, Jeff, did you change your clothes? Jeff, did you take a shower? Jeff, did you change your underwear? You know, he got all these questions, and I'm thinking, oh, Jeff, I'm in trouble. You know, Jeff wasn't in trouble. I'm in trouble. I took him camping, and no, he didn't take a shower. He didn't brush his teeth. He, and at that point, guys, I just went in all in. Like, no, we were camping. You're not supposed to change clothes or take a shower or change your underwear. You know what? I neglected my son, okay, to make sure he was clean. Well, I shouldn't neglect my cleanliness. As a Christian, I must wash every day. Number one, I should be clean. Number two, I should wash daily. Number three, let's stay out of the mud. Right? Isn't it foolish that we would drag the mud of the world into our living room? Isn't it foolish that as a Christian, I would carry filth around with me on, on a phone or an iPod? Knowing this, seeing these things that we talked about, God created everything, God's going to destroy everything, and you know what? God's going to judge all men. By the way, you don't want to be ignorant of this one thing. What one thing? If God says it, it's going to happen. So what manner of persons ought you to be? What manner of persons ought I ought to be? Because you know there are people that know everything that we know, but they drag the world and try to blend it with the abundant life. It doesn't blend. That's like the dog coming back to the vomit. It's like that pig being rescued from the pig pen and heading right back into it. I don't want any part of that. People have worked diligently for us to know about the Word of God, to teach us this thing called the abundant life. That's what I want. You know, Brother Randy Dignan, who's preaching to our kids this week, he got saved at the age of 18. And he describes how at 18 he was coming into church. And this was all new to him. And he was watching the 18-year-olds, his peers who grew up in church, leave. Like they're passing spiritually. And he's like, what are you doing? Hey, I grew up in church. Many of us have grown up in church. We have seen that the Lord is good. We have tasted it, right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. What manner of persons ought you to be? I need to be clean, I need to wash daily, and I should stay out of the mud. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you've given us so much. 
as we look at just a brief passage of scripture, a scripture and admonition from a man like Peter, through you, through your spirit, he penned that, he wrote that. Lord, I pray we would allow it to make a difference in our lives. Lord, you want us to be blessed, not only today, but for eternity. Lord, I pray that we would allow the teaching in your word, I pray that we would allow it to affect what we do. Heads bowed, nice closed. I don't know where the Holy Spirit spoke to you as we looked at 2 Peter this evening. Maybe it's one of those things that you're willingly ignorant of. Maybe you haven't considered the fact that God created everything, the fact that God is going to destroy everything, the fact that God, someday each of us are going to stand before God. Maybe that is something that you need to consider on a more frequent basis, understanding that our lives aren't all about the here and now. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, Brother Wooza, I need to do that. I need to consider that more. Maybe it's that part that where God asks that question, seeing this, what manner of persons ought you to be? Maybe recognizing the good life that God has given us, the opportunity to live an abundant life. Maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to allow that affect how we live. Maybe it was when we talked about, you know what, I need to be clean. I need to stay out of the mud. I need to wash daily. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you and, and you need to make a change somewhere in your life. I pray that you would take the investment of time that you put in this evening to looking at the scripture. I pray we'd allow it to make a difference in our lives.